0: Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story, and we hope this sermon can guide you along that path. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. I want to invite you, if you feel so led, to turn with me in your own Bible or in the Bible found there in the pew for our first reading. It comes to us from the book of Genesis, so it's a real easy one to find. It's at the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verses 24 through 31. One thing that my father always did was dad always invited people to to read in their own Bible or in the pew Bible And one of the reasons for that is when we crack open the Bible You may not even be on the right page But maybe the page that you're on is what God intended for you to read that day And so I invite you however you feel led uh, to turn Genesis chapter 1 is what I'll be reading I'm not sure what you'll be reading I mean, we've had page number issues all day. uh, (laughs) Genesis chapter 1, verses 24 through 31. This is the first of our two readings. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind. Cattle and creeping things and wild animals of the earth of every kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals of the earth of every kind and the cattle of every kind and everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of the earth, and every tree with seed and its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw that everything he had made, and indeed, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth of the day. The next passage of scripture that we'll be reading from. Uh, I bet you probably don't have to read along in your own Bible. John chapter 3, verse 16. You may need it for the verses following, but John chapter 3, verses 16 through 21. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of the Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and the people love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light, so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. This is the Word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord our God we thank you so much for the way we have already experienced you today Lord you are in this place your spirit has called us to this place and you've breathed into us the breath of life your spirit's been poured into each one of us making us the body of Christ and made it truly Demonstrate the image of God that you have made us to be. God, we thank you for all that has already taken place, and we thank you for your word as it has been read. And now, as it is to be proclaimed by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you transform the words that proceed from my mouth, and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today, as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, "Amen." amen. Over the years, there have been times as I look upon my sons, Jacob and Aaron, that I see something that they say or do and I say, yep, that's me. I know where they got that from. Or they'll say or do something and we'll say, yep, that's Jennifer. And you know, it's not always... The best things at times that they say or do, that I realize where they got that from, I even see it in myself. There are times that I'll do something that I'll say, yep, that's Reverend Dr. Billy, my dad, or yep, that's Badger, my granddad. There are certain attributes that I do that are a reflection of who my parents or my grandfather are or is, and I see that in my kids so many times and over the years. One thing, uh, and Jacob recently, my son Jacob, our oldest son, he is a structural engineer, and recently Jacob had let us know that he did the engineering on a house that was being featured on a HGTV show. He said, now, I'm not gonna be in the show but I did all the work for the show, and so uh, we watched that particular episode, and sure enough, the contractor is having to meet with the star of the show as they're renovating this house, and the contractor says, well, the engineer came, and he said that we've gotta put in a steel beam. And the, the star of the show was very disappointed because it was gonna to add to the bottom line. Meanwhile, Jennifer and I are watching this show and say, we know he! We know him. We know the engineer they're speaking of. And in that setting, in that scene, I I felt like I could see Jennifer. My wife, as those of you may know, she's an attorney. And over the years, I've seen Jennifer do her work with love and grace for all of the people that she's had to work with and for. And so many times, Jennifer has this capacity to, to say the hard thing, a hard truth that they need to hear. Even if they don't want to hear it, she can say that. And that's something that I saw in Jacob, that structural engineer saying they've got to use the steel beam when they didn't want to have to do it. I I saw that and I said, yep, that's her. That's her. My son Aaron, at times I see things that Aaron does. And over the past few years, Aaron had been dating his girlfriend Madison. They met at ECU, I think. Go Pirates or something, or they do, but Aaron and Madison met at ECU, and they started dating, and over the past year or so, we started hearing talk about maybe a ring coming along into the picture, and so Aaron, sure enough, we knew he had gone, he had ordered it, it was being made, and then Aaron had called us and let us know he had picked up the ring. And he was planning the next weekend they were going to be going to the beach and he had made plans that on that Saturday they were going to go have a picnic and when they had the picnic he was going to surprise her and propose to her right there on the beach. But Aaron said, as we were talking to him a week before, he said, you know, I just don't know that I can wait till next weekend. I just want to go ahead and give it to her. I, he, that ring was burning a hole in his pocket. He could not wait to give that ring to her. And so the week went by and were so excited I kept thinking, I wonder if he's going to give her the ring before. But he didn't. Then Saturday came and it rained, so they didn't get to do the picnic that day. So they had to wait till the next day. And Aaron gave her that ring two weeks ago today. And so Jennifer and I are so excited for Aaron and Madison and their pending nuptials at some point in time. But that that sense of wanting to give her that ring before that time, it burning a hole in his pocket, I saw I heard that and I said, Yep. That's me. I our first year of marriage. Jennifer and I were gonna be celebrating Christmas with family. And so we had bought each other gifts, and we had wrapped them, and they were under the tree. But you know what? We couldn't wait to give those gifts to each other. So a week before Christmas, we opened up those presents. We looked at them all, oh, we celebrated that, and then we wrapped them back up <laughs> and put them back under the tree so that when we got together with family, we'd open it up. Oh, I'm so surprised. Thank you. <laughs> I I see Aaron, that that ring burning a hole in his pocket. That's me. Yep, that's me. Throughout time, we see those traits in our children, or maybe we see the traits of our parents in us. Yep, that's me. And God created us in God's own image. God created us in God's own image, The the term, theological term that we use is Imago Dei. Say that with me. Imago, Imago Dei. Dei. You, we have been created in the image of God. And when God looks upon you, God sees when we live into those attributes of God. God sees that. I just imagine God looks upon us and says, Yep, yeah. that's me. Yep, yeah, that's me. My friend, Rick Strunk, Uh, many of you know Rick. Rick, usually he sings with us in the choir, but Rick is a runner, and one of the things that Rick does to endure his running is Rick says that he tries to think about the attributes of God as he's running, and that helps get his mind off of what it is that he's actually having to go through. And so Rick begins to list and name the attributes of God. God, you are faithful. God, you are loving. God, you are merciful. God, you are gracious. God, you are omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. And as he names these attributes of God, it's just reminding him of who God is. But each one of those attributes that God is—that we name of God, God created us in God's own image. And that means if God truly created us in God's own image, in the image of God, then that means we have been created with those same attributes, the capacity for those attributes. One of my favorite passages of Scripture comes from 1 John chapter 4, where John is writing about what love is and how God is love. In 1 John chapter 4 verse 7, he says, Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. He goes on and he says, we love because he first loved us. We were created in the image of God. And so if we say that God is a God of faithfulness, we have the capacity to be faithful. If we say that God is a God of justice, we have the capacity to be just. God is a God of forgiveness, and so we have the capacity to forgive. God created us. God created humanity in the image of God, and so we have the capacity to live into these attributes of God. Now, we're not God, and we never will be. It's kind of like, I'm not my dad, and I never will be. I'm not my grandfather, and I never will be. But you know what I can be? I can be a reflection. I can be an image of them. I can magnify them. We aren't God and can't be God. But we can be a reflection of God. God is love. God is faithful. God is just. God is forgiving. God is generous. We see that throughout our lives in the many ways that God meets us right where we are, the way that God provides for us, just what we need in that moment. But in John 3 16, we see how generous God truly is. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. His one and only Son was given as a gift for you and for me. And if God is this God of generosity, that means we too have the ability, the capacity to be people of generosity. And when we aren't living into these attributes that God has made us to be, when God has created us in these ways to be forgiving, to be loving, to be just, to be generous, we're not living in our full capacity then we're not really in alignment. We're not in alignment with how God has intended us to be. When just one of those things, with one part of our life that God has intended you to be, when we start to live out of alignment with that, we fall away. Think about your car. Have you ever driven a car that's out of alignment? Maybe you hit a pothole or you've gone over a speed bump too fast and one of the wheels is out of alignment. And what happens when just one wheel is out of alignment is the rest of your car begins to pull. And so you're having to fight against the way that it's inclined to go. You're having to pull it. And when you're pulling against the way it's inclined to go now because it's out of alignment, the rest of your tires are being damaged. And so you're putting extra wear and tear just because one wheel might be out of alignment. When our lives are not in alignment with the way that God has created us to be, with God's intention for us, and we're just fighting. We're going in the wrong direction. We're fighting in that wear and tear. It just throws us into so much chaos. God has created us in such a way. We have been created to be people of generosity. One of the favorite books that I've ever read is a book called The Year of Living Biblically by A.J. Jacobs. How many of you have heard of this book or read this book? Yeah, I loved reading this book. What it is, is A.J. Jacobs was an author, a writer for uh, I think New York Times. He had written several articles and he was born and raised as he was Jewish. But the faith was not anything of his life. He was not, he never lived out any part of it. In fact, he says He's agnostic. He doesn't know if there's a God. But he got inspired to try to live for an entire year according to every letter of the law as found in the scriptures. And so to be able to live according to every letter of the law of the scriptures, you've really got to read it. you got to get into it. And so he really started getting into it. And truly, if you haven't read the book, it's comic genius in the way that uh, he lives out his understanding of the faith and how their marriage lasted over the course of that year. I have no idea. But in the book, he talks about early on, about 23 days in, of trying to live biblically. And he was trying to convince his wife about this concept of tithing, generosity. And that 10 percent, and and trying to convince her, because that's a significant amount. And they had not been giving away anything. And so suddenly to go from zero to ten, that's a lot. And so as he's talking about it, he doesn't really want to give back to the tabernacle or uh, that he's a part of, his family's been a part of. Because that's not really his thing. That's not really what he's lived into. But he starts to write about finding all the charities that he want, that maybe mean something to him and wanting to be able to give. And so he wrote about how he started off with just giving 2%. I mean, 10's a lot. So he finally settled to start off at 2% of his giving. That's as much as he could do in one shot. But then he writes this. When the confirmation emails ping in, I feel good. He says, there's a haunting line from the film Chariots of Fire. It's spoken by Eric Liddell, the most religious runner, who, who, the one who carries a Bible with him during his sprint. He says, When I run, I feel God's pleasure. And as I gave away money, I think I might have felt God's pleasure. Look at this. He says, I know. I'm agnostic. But still, I feel God's pleasure. It's a warm ember that starts at the back of my neck and spreads through my skull. I feel like I am doing something I should have been doing all my life. When he lives into this generosity that God has made him to be, I feel like I'm doing something that I should have been doing all my life. That's what it means to live in alignment. That's what it means for us to step into those attributes that God, has, that God has and that God has put within us. We feel it at our very core. And when we live it out, God sees it. God sees it and he says, yep, that's me. We're inviting you to think about ways that we can step into this generosity challenge. Finding the ways that we might step into being in that image of God. Being the image of God so that this community may come to know and believe that there is one true God. That we are a reflection and we're not just a reflection. We're a magnification of that image of God. So that the whole world may come to know and believe. I believe there our generosity, it helps get us in alignment with who God has called us to be. Yep. I see you. That's the image of God. Let us pray. Lord God, so many times we allow the things of this world to to take precedence. So many times we we want to keep more things to ourselves, But it's not about us. It's all about you. And so God, help us to... To step into that challenge, to find the ways that we may truly live into being the image of God that you have called us to be. Help us to find the ways that we might truly be a reflection of your love, a reflection of your justice, a reflection of your faithfulness, a reflection of your forgiveness, and a reflection of your generosity. God, you are a good, good and giving God, and every good and perfect gift comes from you. And so, Lord, may we be willing to step into that challenge, to be a reflection so that the whole world may see and understand the image of God that we are trying to live in. Now I pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.